1: Brian spelled with an E. Let me introduce my co-host, Tracy. Are you there?
2: I'm here. Hello, everybody.
1: Anyway, you're listening to the S Brian radio show. Each week, we have a, a business show where we try to introduce something to business owners. Either teach them a lesson, have somebody that was an C- uh, CEO or somebody that specializes in a specific area of business try to teach something to our our listeners and as usual everybody asks why ask brian is spelled with an e and we always try to figure that out the engineer that begins with an e sometimes he gets excited that begins with an e sometimes he's enthusiastic that begins with an e but he always comes up with these things about the e's so why is ask brian spelled with an e
0: well, let me tell you why. Well, there's a couple of words that have to do with like almost like a thematic of the S. Brian radio show and he actually gave away three of them. It was a uh, excitement and enthusiasm which I mean, what is that? What is that? Ed, well, you know, just being being, you know, excited and enthusiastic, you know, having joy and, you know, that would include some screaming.
1: I would think a P like passion.
0: That too. That works. He did say engineer, and that's what he knows that's my favorite one, so he doesn't give it to me. Well,
1: because you're an engineer wannabe.
0: Not a wannabe. I am an engineer.
1: An engineer what? Like a choo-choo train?
0: <laughs>
2: not, kind. <laughs> not kind. Not kind.
0: Not <laughs> kind. Not kind, indeed. But there are that other words. begin with an E, Tracy.
1: <laughs> it's an N and a K. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: well, <laughs> it's still
2: not
0: kind.
2: I <laughs> actually... And I'm in fat... I gave him a soft. About
1: that, I gave him a softball for that one, and he didn't even grab it. What? Empathy. I'm
2: emphatic. Oh, he was trying to set
0: me up with that. No, you weren't being empathetic. Not
1: kind, and you should have said, "Well, you're not being empathetic."
0: Well, I didn't want to butt butt in. I didn't want to butt in.
1: Butt in the entire. Speech here, is buddy. Though. He's quite scared. He's scared of you at this <laughs> point. Very. Well, and yeah, <laughs> it has an inferiority complex, but that also doesn't begin with an. <laughs> starts with an I.
0: <laughs> Anyways, there's a couple other words that we haven't done. One of them is effort because I,
1: I, none of those words are on the FCC list, right?
0: No, oh. no, they're not. No, trust me, I would know. <laughs> it is effort because we all give 110 percent effort in what we do here in the As Brian Show. Another one we have is excellence because we exude nothing but excellence here on the show as well. is that
1: like Bill and Ted's an Excellent Adventure?
0: Excellent. Yeah. Well, that one works. We also have experts because everybody we bring onto the show is an expert in a field of whichever field for, they're in. Except for the engineer. I am an expert. I'm an expert of engineering.
1: How many years' experience do you have? About three. That's an expert? Works. What, what do we say? What, beginning of the show. Fifty two thousand hours. Ten. Remember. Ten thousand. We
0: have to hour. go over that. Well, I mean, considering leather, that's five years. Almost there. Two years I mean, away. Two years, you'll be an expert. <sighs> Tracy, he's really getting me here. <laughs>
1: right now, right now, you're gonna assist. I mean, it's just it's he's unacceptable just, with a you. He's an assistant expert. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> an assistant Dad, to
2: you the are expert. An engineering expert, and you're extraordinary.
0: extraordinary. Ooh, that's a new one. We got it. Tracy gave us a new one. Extraordinary starts with a knee. Well,
1: it might start with a knee, but I don't know what's extraordinary.
0: <laughs> oh gosh!
1: Because that's beyond normal.
0: Yeah, but extraordinary is also I, like
1: I could be redefine as extraordinary.
0: It's also like fantastical, you know. That's an F. No, but, like, it's I'm synonymous with that. All right. Anyways, I, am I missing any of them, or no, <laughs> have we, we gone a little too far on this?
2: Enthusiasm! Enthusiasm! We did he, already,
0: he already said that one, I actually. Said
2: enthusiasm and <laughs> oh, dang, sorry. I was just too focused on trying to <laughs> run interference between the two of you. Oh. Not,
1: not a very good job. All right, so without any further ado, how do you spell it?
0: A-D-I-E-U. Why do I like that word? Because every single letter except the D is a vowel.
1: Do you kind of feel that this is, like, repetitive?
0: No, why do you ask?
1: Oh, I have
2: to <laughs> <your> say <enthusiasm.
1: laughs>
2: your enthusiasm over that too. is just...
1: <laughs> all right, well, stop laughing.
0: Starts with an L.
1: <laughs> we have a great guest today, Bill McGraw. Are you there?
0: I am here. All right,
1: sorry, you know, I don't know why the engineer had to go through all that shit, but uh, he was going over some things. And uh, he kind of like has a big ego, so I guess that's what it's all about. But anyway, without any further ado, <laughs> Bill, what is your background? I mean, I know where you're currently working right now and, and products and services you're working on. We discussed that. Yep. But how did you start your career,
3: and, and how did you get to where you are? Well, if I'm if I'm going to keep with the theme, maybe I can add another e-word, and that would be entrepreneur. So, okay. uh, and, and what, do you, what do you think about that? So, well, I think we should. You know, I love end it. It. And in e-commerce as well, but okay. And e-commerce, and also some enterprise software. So a lot of technology, and a lot of uh, a lot of things in that area. So I've been doing um, early stage companies. Oh, there's another e early stage companies. So uh, probably been a lot. And you're educating years. us, <laughs> and being very entertaining. There we go. Um, so <laughs> my first startup was in the late '90s. So it was all around the uh, the internet, and it was e-commerce at the time, and you know, we got washed out to sea in, uh, when the bubble burst in, uh, 2000. And then I just kept my career has really been as a entrepreneur in, in the technology area. And right now what I do really is I help with, uh, early stage companies. We help them get, uh, invest in them and we'll help them with their strategy and their go to market and how to make their products fit. And so, I mean, that's really the area where, you know, we obviously we make money at it, but we do feel like we're, uh, we're helping this next generation to get their feet on the ground and get themselves positioned in the in the marketplace and to be successful. So, so that's really the area that we focus on.
1: So are you a VC? Are you a hedge fund? Are you an accelerator? Which
3: category? Are you? So how we position ourselves is we will write checks, but primarily what we do is we aggregate other investors. So I've got two partners and we have a strategy component, so we look ahead into where the trends are going and where we think that there's opportunities for investment. I do the capital formation. So the, you know, the sort of the things you're talking about, the hedge fund and the investments and all of the things that will allow the companies to have enough resources to scale and to go to market. And then I have another partner that really focuses on the business model and making sure that these guys execute and that Whatever money that we raise that it gets used properly and that it, uh, you know, that, that the companies are structured correctly and are able to, uh, to use that, you know, it's one thing to have a promise and say, yeah, we're, we see this opportunity. We're going to go and, and go after it. But then you actually have to execute and you have to make it happen. And that's what my, uh, my third partner does. So we do strategy. We get the money for them and then we actually help them to execute. So are you
1: bringing the money directly to the startup or are you? Taking the money in and then, and investing in the soil.
3: We'll do both. We're, um, there's, there's a number of ways that we can provide that funding to them. So we have high net worth investors that are part of our partnership and our network we will reach out to investment banks and we'll partner with them. And we will, as a firm, we will write checks on our own and smaller checks early stage when, you know, when sometimes it's just an idea. So we, we like to get, uh, you know, work with those, with the entrepreneur and, and with their vision of where things are going to go and, what their passion is, and typically they have they've got a big idea, they think the world's changing in a certain way, and we we help them articulate that and put that into more of a of a strategic plan, and then we help them from there, so when we invest, we really will take an early early position, and then you know our obviously what we try and do then is scale that up, and then we've got a uh, you know, we'll come in at a very low valuation for these companies, and then we'll be able to to make our money as they grow and as they uh, as they become successful. That way, we're we're aligned with the company, so we're not just taking money. We're actually, if they're successful, then we're successful, and that's really the model that we try and we try and uh, execute on.
1: Now, do you take management positions in the companies, or are you uh,
3: board positions, or are you just e- either? It, it really depends on the situation. Typically, um, in my case. I'll go in, um, if the company's a little bit more mature, I'll go in as a acting president, as an example. And that way I'll work directly with the CEO who is normally the founder. And why we need to do that is there needs to be some accountability to bringing the money in and how things get executed. So we can, for instance, if a company is, is doing a raise, may come in as a, uh, acting president. We'll help them get their product in place. We'll help them get the funding in place as they start to execute. I'll step aside, possibly go on the board. That's always an option. And But there's never a, a conflict with the founder. They know that we're there to support them. And I'm not looking for his job. So he can relax. He can focus on what he needs to do. And we can do the execution part on their on their operations and make all of that happen. Get the money in, get them on the right track, and then step away. So yeah, we, we will take board seats and advisory board and, and sometimes take that management position as well.
1: And what are the criteria qualifications that you're looking for before you make an investment? Are there certain uh, parameters you have?
3: Yeah, you know, it's, it's, there's a thing in the business that's always called the three T's. So it's team, it's technology, and it's traction. So the biggest one is the team. So there's, there's no shortage of great ideas out there. There's no shortage of uh, enthusiastic people that think they've got the next big thing. And we want that. We want that passion. But, you know, you, you also want someone that's practical and either has done this before or has the right temperament because it's a it's a hard task. If you're gonna be a founder, you need to be not just passionate but willing to put the work in. From the you know the technology we're we're really focused on the tech and in today's world, those are the things that are driving high valuations and you can really create value using that technology. The traction part of it, you want them to be able to what we call your know, product market fit or the you know, customer discovery, they need to get out and, and not just have this idea, they need to validate it. So talking to people, potential customers and saying, if I built this, would you buy it? That's the kind of initial phase that people need to go through. And they, they you know, they need to really understand their market. That's one of the things I think that's missing is some of people will get an idea and they'll race after that idea. But they've never really validated in the market that somebody's going to buy it, that people will pay you money for this. So those are the three criteria that we generally use for deciding whether or not we want to work with a firm or a company or a startup.
1: So if somebody doesn't have experience or hasn't done it before, how do you know they're qualified? I mean, a degree doesn't mean much. I mean, for most people, if you look at the most successful people, even... Even the founders of Facebook and uh, and Microsoft—they didn't even go to college. So I mean, you don't need that. Exactly.
3: No, it's a super valid point. And you know, there's no one answer. If you're like this, you will be successful. If it was, you know, the same. If you just do X, you'll be successful. There's a lot of things. um, You know, a lot of not only a lot of things you need at the beginning, but then you, as things evolve and you're going forward, there's, there's a lot of challenges. So there's no simple answer to that. But the, you know, I would really fall back on, you know, your gut, You're, you need to know people and you need to watch and you need to see how they interact with others. And you need to, you know, you you sort of just need to understand that what kind of a person that they are. And, you know, we really look at it and say, you know, we have this idea, this, I use this analogy around the, the, um, uh, you know, going on a road trip. So, you know, a 10 hour car ride, like, do you want to spend could you spend a 10-hour car ride with this person? Like, do you want to work with them? Do they they make you feel like you're making progress with them and they appreciate it, they're the right kind of person? I think that's more important than anything, than saying I have a degree or I don't have a degree or I've got this experience or that experience. You really need to be the right kind of person because we're going to work with these companies, in some cases, over a number of years. And you don't want to have the phone ringing And that person's name there, and you go, oh God! And you put it, you know, send them the voicemail. Like this is something that you've got to have a a relationship beyond just the business that you're looking at. Like you've you've got to enjoy spending time together because you're going to spend a lot of time together. So, give us
1: the three traits that are the most valuable that you have when you're looking at somebody. What are those three traits that you feel, you know, Um, success?
3: I think enthusiasm and passion, hardworking. And then humility. So, you know, they need to be teachable. They need to be, you know, they need to be passionate. So they need to you know, stick with the idea and, and really, really want to make it happen and do anything to make it happen. But they have to also be able to realize that they may not have all the answers. And that's the part where typically you, um, you know, where, where things fall down. So, again, there's terms in the business where a company will have founderitis, and so founderitis means they have one idea. You can't tell them anything differently. Even when they see that something's wrong, they'll blame somebody else. You know, they just won't accept that. They might need to change course, and then you might need to do a founderectomy, which means <laughs> you you got to get you got to get rid of that founder. So you know, you you want to catch that stuff early. And you know, some people have been uh, infected, and and you can tell right at first time you meet them. And other people, it doesn't come out until. You know, over a period of time. So that's an area where uh, you know, it, if you've looked at the type of person you want to work with and the those traits, that's got to be the humility is one of the ones that's you know right at the top.
1: So, how many companies do you think your company has funded over the last you know since you started?
3: Um, you know, we we formed our our company called E2D Capital Advisors, and we formed them a couple of years ago, and we've probably gone through twenty or thirty, but. In terms of my background and working with these early stage companies, we're, we're in the hundreds. So we we provide some of our services. Like my strategy partner works with an accelerator, and they go through twelve companies. He spends a week with twelve companies every quarter. So there's close to fifty companies just in that one accelerator. We have um, deals coming across our desk every day, and you know, we pick maybe one out of ten. And maybe even that's high that we will work with. We talk to everybody and we're, you know, we're, we're always interested. We're always learning. We're always trying to understand what's going on in the market. But when it comes to actually who we work with, it's a much smaller number.
1: What uh, companies have been the most successful?
3: Where we've seen them in the, in the past, in the short, short past, we've been working with a lot of. FinTech companies, so financial technology, and we've been working with a lot of companies on the leading edge of working with cryptocurrencies and with blockchain. So those are the areas right now where we see the biggest opportunity. And and the secondary is around artificial intelligence. So these are emerging technologies that are going to realize their value over the next three to five years. And it's a it's a way of the companies that are in there. If you can pick your winners. With these companies now, you'll see them really growing and, and showing that value in the next three, three, four years or so.
1: You didn't mention anything about biotechnology. So is that just not within the technology
3: field or fintech? or? It's not something that we focus on. And, and one of the reasons is in biotech, it's a much longer play. There's a lot of money that needs to be put up front. So if you're doing drugs or treatments or things like that, you need to invest a lot. And the result of that doesn't come, sometimes it can be, you know, a decade before you see really see the results. And it's just not that there's not opportunities there, but it's just, it doesn't really fit our model where where we're, um, you know, we'll work with a company for 18, 24 months. That may be the extent of it, just to get them to a place where they can start to scale at a much higher rate. And you can't really do that with biotech companies.
1: Did COVID affect any of that?
3: Oh yeah, it's, uh, it affected a lot. You know, we, we, we saw what um, some people are saying, uh, you know, digitalization of the, you know, so nobody could go anywhere. And suddenly, you know, you're doing all your business online. And so we saw a lot of our, uh, in the supply chain where we, we have a, uh, two companies that are, uh, portfolio companies that all of a sudden these channels dried up. The restaurants were closed. The stores were limited. So we, we saw this direct to consumer piece. So suddenly, Companies like breweries and, and other artisanal food, they needed to find a way to get their products into the, into their customers' hands. So we saw a big explosion around that. And now coming out of COVID, we're going to see that that, you know, the customer, our consumers got used to being able to order these things online and have it delivered. We'll see a lot of that continuing on. And so that's a, a, one example of where we, you know, the companies had to change and pivot and actually start doing something they weren't used to. And now coming out of it, they have to make a decision about where am I going to sell the most or how do I maintain my direct-to-consumer and I have my store. Do I open my store? Do I have my, you know, will my restaurants be opening up? So yeah, that's one example of an area where we saw a, a huge impact.
1: And Tracy said, Peter, you didn't let me ask any questions. So I got a ton of questions go you're on
2: so i you know all the buzz and all the rage and all the headlines is talking about um like bitcoin and cryptocurrency and you seem like based on our conversation off air you seem to be fairly knowledgeable about that and i was wondering if you could share some insights and in just kind of layman's terms for us like how significant it is and what the future of it is and how it's going to impact the entrepreneurs
3: sure that'd be um uh, thanks for your question tracy um so the way that I I look at this and and the perspective that I put it in is if we think back as I mentioned earlier I was um, we my first startup were back with the internet if we just see this as a continuation of everything going from being analog to digital so you know we remember back in the mid 90s late 90s where it's, you know, what's this internet thing and where is it going to fit? And we saw things like Amazon, they start selling books online and people are going, that's crazy. Why would you sell books online? And why would I do, you know, I'll never do my banking online. I'll never do these things. And we're in a very similar position or, 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 or time where for the blockchain and cryptocurrencies, it's over the last couple, you know, the last six months or so, we started to see a lot more practical application of these things. But I think people should just think about cryptocurrencies as digital money. So it's a, we digitized, you know, we digitized um, music, we digitized film, we digitized newspapers, all of those things got digitized. And now we're digitizing, the technology is, is starting to digitize money. So underlying all of that, once you do that, and you digitize money in these coins, and you know people all well, most people have heard of bitcoin and they don't really get it and there's not a lot that they need to get about it except that i can invest in it so it can be a store of value i can use it to pay for things so they can think about it you know as a gold or a silver they can think about it as a as a means of uh, like as a currency that i'm that i'm paying for something and when we evolve out of that the next Level is, you know, and it is a, where all the cryptocurrencies come in. It's built on a software called Ethereum, but the point is there's a, there's a digital contract that now can be utilized to start to define how we are going to do business or how I'm going to, the way that we use the banks right now as a intermediary, we can then start to digitize that and put those agreements we have with banks, we can start to put those into a digital form. And those digital forms can be this coin or a smart contract, and that's all digitized. And hopefully that, I'm going to sort of stop there, and and hopefully that gives us a sense that digital money, currency, investment, it's just another way of doing those things that we do on a daily basis and in the markets already.
1: I have a quick question.
2: Uh, Wait wait a second now.
1: (laughs) I just want to understand who's backing that currency because, you know, the United States dollar is being backed by the U.S., even the Russian ruble is being backed by the Russian government. Who's backing these currencies?
3: So if you think of the central bank and the central bank is looking at these digital currencies, so there will be a equivalent to Bitcoin or one of the cryptocurrencies that will be a central bank coin. And so on one level what you get is a lot of efficiencies around that. So the fact that it's digital, the fact that it's, you know, I I have a clarity around. So the technology, the blockchain technology is a distributed ledger technology, a DLT. So we're getting a bit in the weeds, but really it's just a way of keeping track of things. So the central bank is going to keep track using a blockchain. The what's behind it is we have to look at, you know, what does that digital currency represent? So there's not one answer, if it's a currency, then it needs to be backed by some kind of a value or by the central bank. If that digital coin represents a share in a company, so it can be a digital stock. So then it would be no different than the, um, the stock that you own now, except that you would own a coin instead of that. If it were, and uh, when we were offline, we were, during the break, we were talking about NFTs, which is now something that we've seen these coins can represent a piece of art. So now there's typically a real world asset that's supporting these. Now, to your point, Taylor, there, this thing is there are currencies, cryptocurrencies that don't have anything backing them and they're speculative and it's very volatile. And you can't really point to something that I can say is going to is that I could liquidate to turn it into regular money or fiat money. So this is one level of the understanding of this. Is you there's no panacea. You have to look at these things on a case by case basis and ask that question every time when you someone talks to you about a coin and you say, okay, so so what's behind it? Is it a community? Is it is it a does it represent a you know a piece of art? Does it represent a share in a company. And that's really the area that needs to be looked at when you're, when you're starting to you know, move into this area and you're going to want to start using cryptocurrencies and start to trade with them and that you're, you're going to need to look at where's the real value.
2: So for example, Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, he sold his first tweet as an NFT for $2.9 million. Where okay is that like real two point nine million dollar money that he can just put in his bank account and buy a Ferrari with, or, or a third or fourth Ferrari with, or is that just like this in you know non fungible token? Like, is it real right. money? I guess.
3: Yeah. So he he can go to a crypto exchange and he will have like someone paid him, and if they paid him in Bitcoin. Or they paid him in Ethereum or any number of, there's hundreds of coins, but there's probably about, you know, two dozen that are of any value really. And if they were paid with that, then yes, he can go and exchange that Bitcoin and cash it in or trade it in and get, you know, like you say, real money. And that's where we are today. But going forward, there's a lot of people that aren't using, they're only using cryptocurrencies now. So. They never need to bring that into what we're talking about here as the real world or the the mainstream world.
2: And then I think influencers have had a lot of impact on this market as well. I mean, in terms Absolutely. of like with Tesla and Elon Musk, and like the, it's like if he's loving it one day, everybody's loving it. Absolutely. If he's not liking it, then it tanks. Yep. And so, and, and is that the representation of the volatility that you were talking about?
3: Absolutely. And and you. So there's, as in anything else that humans get involved in, there's people that are there altruistically and doing the right thing. And there's people trying to take advantage. So, and I'm not saying Elon's taking advantage. I'm saying people are using him to take advantage. And so you'll see a lot of this, you know, this volatility, if you will, based on hype and speculation. And, you know, but we see that all the time. And, And just the regular markets, like, you know, you would, you could make the case. Why is Tesla worth more than Ford, uh, GM and Chrysler put together? And you go, well, you know, they've got a lot of goodwill. They've got the future. They've got, so there's reasons, but they're not tangible. They are, you know, they are what we call goodwill. So there's a lot of things around that, but those, you know, some of those sentiments that are making even some stocks go up or some coins go up, you have to be very careful because it could just as easily go down, as you said. One day he's coding it and yep, it goes up. The next time he's, he's not, he's against it or the regulators come after him and it drops. So you have to be very careful.
2: So I mean, ref- in reflection of how this applies to an entrepreneur, startup of e-commerce business model, for example, where is the tipping point when you're launching a new business that has a robust digital platform, especially uh, e-commerce focused where it'll just be Bitcoin will be an, an additional option to PayPal, to Stripe, to right. Visa, America, American Express, Discovery. Like When will it, do you forecast it will hit a tipping point in that regard?
3: Well, it's definitely close. Because all of the, all of who you mentioned, the PayPal's and the Stripes and Square, they are all able to accept cryptocurrencies. You're able to borrow with them. You're able to transact with them. It's not mainstream. I think we would, you know, we would look at it again. It's all about technology adoption and, and the, you know, it's mainstream. You know, people say it's mainstream when my mother's using it or my grandmother's using it because right now we're in this early stage and people talk about the technology all the time and they talk about you know, coins and all of that. Well, we have to get beyond that, but those, we call them the, you know, the infrastructure, the bank infrastructure is built on very old technology. So stuff that was written in the seventies and eighties, this is new technology. And not only will it replace the old technology, but it gives us additional features that we can use. So I would say, and this is what we use as a filter to so the entrepreneur, you need to be looking at how will this impact your business? And do you need to be either in integrating that or you need to be partnering? Or how can some of these these new opportunities or features that are going to come with this as this new technology goes into the mainstream, how can you utilize it? And and what are some creative and disruptive things that you couldn't ever do before, but now because of this, you're going to be able to target something or do something you weren't able to or go in and disrupt a bank who can't move as quick as you. So that's where we're really seeing on the fintech and the financial technology side. And this is one of the reasons we focus on that. Smaller companies now have the technology ability to go in and disrupt a bank because a bank, there's certain things they can't do for technology reasons and also regulatory reasons. So there's a time now that you can get in front of that and you can establish yourself. And I think if we look at the demographic that's really going to adopt this. And we're we're talking about, you know, the millennials, and there's this huge transfer of wealth that's going to be taking place as the boomers get older and, and retire. And they are the ones that are much more digital savvy and much more willing and able to use these kind of technologies. And one of the things with blockchain and cryptocurrency is that you're taking out the middleman. So you're taking out people that are yeah, you know, like the banks and your broker and all of those, so that you're managing your own accounts and things yourself. And the younger generation is really focused and and growing on that. So Robinhood, Simple, these kind of companies that provide easy access and the ability to manage and trade and do your banking and all of that all on your own. Those are the kind of companies that are, well, again, growing, Robinhood is going to do their IPO, but there's hundreds of companies coming in behind them that have carved off a piece of this financial area that they're going to be able to digitize. And again, as I said earlier, move faster than the banks and be able to really put their products into the hands of that demographic that's going to use them and help that. That's really where the, the, the growth is going to be. That's so
2: fantastic, I want to pivot for a moment and talk about inclusiveness and diversity in your platform, and what things are you doing to expand the types of companies in terms of let's say because I am a woman's owned business, a female entrepreneur, and have been for I almost mean, two decades and how is that fitting into your growth strategy?
3: Well, it's a key part of it. the opportunity for what, how we can change the world, make the world a better place. That again, that, that's a, another aspect of the focus of this millennial generation. The inclusiveness, as you talk about. So gender and, you know, we, we look at minorities. We look at people who haven't had access to the system. It's always been, you know, in quotations, the old boys network. Even on the investment side, if you look at the VCs and you look at where you, you had to go to Stanford, you needed to look a certain way. That's being broken down and, and we're, we're a part of that. We're actively looking for those kind of entrepreneurs and supporting the companies that have some kind of a purpose that have, that want to make the world a better place. And, you know, we see one of our portfolio companies is delivering credit into the supply chain. And the first focus of the, it was a small, medium companies and they're focused on artisanal food and they're focused on craft brewery. But it's more about, from a higher level, about securing the food system and the local food and supporting local business. These are all aspects of this new generation that's coming. And like I've, I've got a, uh, a eight year old granddaughter, and I look at the world in her eyes. Not even to my daughters, who's you know in her thirties, but I, I look to my granddaughter. And what kind of world are we going to give them? And what kind of, what do we need to do to prepare her? to be successful in this new world. It's not a—it's not just about getting an education. Obviously, they need to be educated, but it's a new world. There's new tech. There's new things. And we we as a society need to be breaking down some of these barriers. And the way that we're going to do that, I believe, is with technology. And some of the cryptocurrency and blockchain are really allowing us to break down the access to What really helps these businesses and and entrepreneurs grow, which is access to the financial system.
1: Well, thank you very much. Listen to KHS 1220, 98.1 FM. Uh, We'll write down on our blog how to get in contact with Bill because we've got to go.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian radio show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.